The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible and lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so, man, today is uh, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, happy Resurrection Sunday to, to everyone. Man, we get to celebrate uh, a Messiah, a Savior that is not dead. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, Muhammad is dead. Uh, uh, Hare Krishna is dead. Uh, your ancestors are dead. But Jesus is alive. Amen. And so we get to celebrate a Jesus who is alive. And also on Good Friday, uh, two days ago, uh, we we established what Jesus did for us at the cross. Uh, While Jesus was was at the cross, he said these words, it is finished. And we said that that phrase, it is finished in the Greek, is the Greek word tetelestai, which means paid in full. Amen. And so what Jesus was saying was, you know, the debt that was hanging over your head for every you know, uh, uh, every man, you know, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And uh, it also tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so what was destined to come uh, to us uh, was death. And Jesus paid the debt so that we could live. Amen. And so we established that on, uh, on, on, on Friday. And uh, when Jesus also said it is finished, he did not mean that the entire plan of salvation uh, had been accomplished because we know that you know something else took place between Friday and uh, today, Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And today we're going to be looking at what transpired uh, in the three days of his burial and resurrection. Uh, and, and that's the reality of what we call the dispensation of grace, uh, the time that you and I live in. It's also uh, known as the church age, which was hidden in God and has now been uh, revealed. Uh, whenever you see the word mystery in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, it's talking about uh, the goodness and the richness of God's kindness that were hidden in the Old Covenant that have now been made manifest or revealed uh, to us New Covenant believers. Amen? With us in the New Covenant, uh, God does not work in mysterious ways. The Holy Spirit reveals these things to us. He has revealed them to us through uh, the work of the cross and what Jesus uh, you know, accomplished. Uh, for you and me. Can I get an amen? amen? And so Ephesians chapter number four, verse eight, that's where we're going to start. Ephesians chapter number four, verse eight, when Jesus died, what happened? He says in uh, verse eight, wherefore he says, uh, when he ascended up on high, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus, <coughs> he led captivity captive. And uh, you don't want to be reading the Bible coughing, right? So I, I've got to be honorable, right? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Wherefore, he said, when Jesus ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. 
Verse 9, now that he ascended, uh, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? And now, so now he's talking about when Jesus died uh, on the cross, he's saying not that he ascended, he rose again. Before we get to that part, uh, what is it but that he also descended first into where? Into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some to be apostles, he gave some to be prophets, he gave some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so he's talking about, you know, Jesus dying when he uh, died on the cross. Uh, he went into the uh, uttermost parts or he descended into what he calls uh, the lower parts of the earth. And so uh, uh, the reason he did that is because there was something else that needed to be accomplished. It is paid. That's Good Friday, paid in full. Uh, but there was still an authority issue that needed to be you know, taken care of. When God created the Garden of Eden, he gave authority uh, to Adam. And Adam gave that authority to the devil because whom you submit to or whom you yield your, your, your body to, uh, servants of that same spirit do you become. And so what happened in the Garden? of Eden is that, you know, Adam gave up the authority that God uh, had given to mankind. And so Jesus needed to take care of that. And so the, the devil didn't know this. When they killed him on the cross, they thought that was, you know, uh, the end of the story, finito, end of game. They didn't realize that he was going to find them. And so scripture is telling us that Jesus descended into the lower parts of earth. He went to the headquarters of the devil. That's what he's saying. And kicked down the door, found them sitting in a boardroom discussing how they were going to torment mankind with the authority that Adam had given. That's Tafara's version. <laughs> and he tells us in Colossians chapter number 2, uh, uh, you know, from verse 14 to 15, it's actually a scripture that connects both uh, Good Friday and Easter, you know, uh, Sunday. And let's go to Ephesians, uh, Colossians chapter number 2, verse 14. You're going to see something that will interest you here. It says in uh, verse 14, he's talking about this specific verse. is talking about Jesus saying it is finished, paid in full at Good Friday. It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. He's talking about the law that Jesus, when he went to the cross, he erased that, took that out of the way so that you and I could have access to God. What was standing between you and I was the law. And its ability to amplify and produce sin and death. And so Jesus, when he said it is finished, as the sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world, when he paid that price at the cross, he took that out of the way, and now mankind could have a relationship with God. This is why the veil in the temple was torn, so that we could have access to God, free access. Amen? And it says, uh, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And so at Good Friday, this is what happened. Now, at, uh, uh, when Jesus went to the lower parts or the depths, the headquarters of the devil, what happened is about to come. Verse 15. He says in verse 15, uh, he, he spoiled 
uh, all principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them. And so when he kicked down the door, he found these little devils giving each other, you know, the little power that Adam had given, uh, the little authority saying, you, you're going to be the minister of sickness. You, you're going to be the minister of poverty. You, you're going to be the minister of the curse. He kicked down. He said, what are you doing? He said, man, we're giving each other power. He said, that power doesn't belong to you. And the Bible says he's pulled all principalities. That's, a, that's, that's the King James way of, of, of saying it. In the streets, we would say he whipped them. That's what he did. He whipped them, defeated them, right? And took back that authority. In fact, when he did that, the Apostle Paul is giving us a glimpse of what happened spiritually. He said he whipped them, spoiled all principalities and power, and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. In other words, after he whipped them, there was a spiritual parade to let all the spiritual people, the Christians, the believers, know that now, from today onwards, the enemy you are dealing with is a defeated foe. The enemy you're dealing with is not a real lion. He is a lookalike lion who doesn't have teeth. So all he can do is gum you. He can't bite. Amen? And so he made a public show of them, triumphing over them. Now the Apostle Paul is borrowing from a Roman tradition. And so what they would do back in the day, if they went and defeated uh, the neighboring country that was an enemy, uh, they would uh, get the president of that country, the king at the time, and then they would bring him to, to Johannesburg and they would uh, uh, parade them. Those days they didn't have a lot of you know, people that would bring them to your city. And then they would strip him naked so that they take all of his royal robes. He ain't no king no more got no authority, cut off his uh, ring finger, he can't make any decrees anymore, and then they would parade him, walk him down the streets uh, for everybody to see that your enemy that you used to fear, you don't have to fear anymore, you can rest easy because he has been defeated and here's the proof. And so when he says he made a show of them openly, that's what happened spiritually. Every believer should know this truth, that the devil has no power. Amen? The only power the devil that, uh, has is the power to deceive, to make you think that he has some power. The only power the devil has, ultimately, if you were to look it up, it is it's the power that you give him. The power that you empower him with when he tries to deceive you. You know, a story is shared of uh, this uh, one minister way back in the uh, 30s, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, way back in the days of candles. And he was about to go to sleep in England. He was a powerful minister. So many miracles in his ministry and so on and so forth. And he was getting ready to go to sleep. And uh, as he was about to, to go to sleep, you know, the, the devil manifested. His chocolate started manifesting in his room that he was about to sleep. And then he woke up and lit the candle. To, to see what it was, and he saw it was uh, the devil, and he said, ah, it's just you, and he blew the candle and went to sleep. <laughs> now ask your neighbor, what would you have done? <laughs> Do the and so that right there will show you whether you know you're dealing with a defeated foe or not. The way you respond when the enemy throws his deception, reveals to you whether you have this revelation that he is defeated. Amen? Amen. I said the devil is defeated. Amen. And so he says, you know, in, in, in actually in verse 8, 
it says of Ephesians chapter number 4, it says, Wherefore, he says, when he ascended Jesus up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now what he's talking about there is that when Jesus, after he finished defeating the devil on his way uh, to, to the earth and route uh, to heaven, he, he, he led what is called captivity captive. He's talking about the Old Testament saints who had died believing, but they could not go into the presence of God because the perfect sacrifice hadn't yet come. And so they were uh, put in what was known as a holding place, known as paradise or shawul. They were, they were put in that holding place until Jesus paid the, 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 the price in full. He is the one who then led the ca captivity captive. And, and actually, it's a historic fact, and it's in the Bible, that there was so much resurrection power during the day of resurrection that when Jesus was leading this parade, dead men of old, of the Old Testament saints, uh, were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem. There's just too much resurrection power in the air that every dead thing just comes alive. Now, in case you think I'm cooking this up, let's go find that scripture. <laughs> and I went to that church. The pastor was, you know, he's just telling these stories. No, it's Bible. <laughs> let's go to Matthew chapter number 27. Let's read from verse uh, 52. This is talking about uh, the day of resurrection today. It says, and on this day, the graves were opened. And many bodies of the what? The saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Such was a day like today. And he says after he did that, Jesus ascended, he obtained gifts for men. And we call them, you know, fivefold ministry gifts. These are just gifts to the church they are not titles uh, for loading it over people. They are gifts to the church for the perfecting and the equipping of the saints. And so he says he gave gifts. He gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets. He gave some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Watch this now. For the equipping of the saints, not the exploitation of the saints. The, 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 the gifts were given to equip the believers for the work of the ministry. Can I get an amen? amen? And so you did that, and, 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 and man, I'm telling you, uh, once you realize that the, the resurrection power and what's available for you, it changes everything. Let's go to Romans chapter number 8, verse 11. After all of this happened, there was such a power uh, on this day that graves were opening of their own accord, and dead men of old just came out walking. I mean, it must have been something to behold, a sight to behold, amen? Now, he took all of that, all of that experience, all, all that I've shared with you, he took all of that, and he says this, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, he took all of that and put it in the believer. Come on. Amen. It sounded like a movie, right? Jesus kicked the devil uh, and took the authority and he came and he was, as he was passing through Shaul, all the uh, people came, left paradise, came dead men uh, sin walking in the streets of Jerusalem. It, it, sounds, it sounds man glorious and, and God didn't stop at that. He took all of that, all of that power that was a, a display and put it in the believer. Someone shout, I'm powerful. And he says here, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in the believer. Yes. 
That's why you can't have wimpy believers if they are real believers. They've got too much going on on the inside of them. Nothing can touch them. Hang somebody and tell them, man, you, do you know how powerful I am? Push the, push the person in front of you. Push them. Push the person in front of you. And I said, push the person. Now look back at them and say, you may be right, but don't touch my Gucci. I'm messing with my Gucci now. Now, 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 if that's true, what, 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 what's... What does this resurrection mean? I'm just trying to show you what this means for you and how it will change your entire life. God is trying to get us to understand how powerful this is. This is the reality of his resurrection. It's not a fairy tale. They didn't steal his body from the tomb. They, Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. And that same spirit, that same power now lives on the inside of you. And it will quicken every organ. If an organ tries to fail on you, call on that same power and, and, and release that resurrection power on that organ. If, if tissues try to fail you, release that resurrection. It's already on the inside of you. You don't have to go and find it in Nigeria. Somewhere. It's already on the inside of you. I'm not mad at, at Nigeria. I love Nigeria. I have friends from there. I have a good friend who's a, a pastor, a powerful man of God. I'm just saying, you don't have to go somewhere. It's already on the inside of you. Man, you're not lacking in anything. God has put the fullness of his power on the inside of every believer. The day you got born again, God put something on. This is why when David would realize these things, you'd write verses like, man, I... When David would read these things and get a revelation of them, he wrote things like, I can run through a troop. Man, I can scale over walls, you know, Spider-Man stuff. He says, I can run through a troop, I can scale over walls. Man, there's no wimpiness when you realize the amount of power that God has put in the life of a believer. Amen? Now, the Apostle Paul is making an argument for the resurrection, and he, he, he says this. He says, uh, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. 1 Corinthians 15, 16, verse 16. He says, if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep or those who have died in Christ have perished. Forever, in other words. Verse 19. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. And so he's saying, you know, uh, uh, if Christ did not arise from the dead, then you are not saved. You could possibly not be saved. Why? Because the, the, the event or the, 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 what transpired when Jesus uh, was raised from the dead, for the believer, that signified you moving from a place of death, which is dead in your trespasses, and, and, and becoming alive in Christ. Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter number 2. Let's read Ephesians uh, chapter number 2. It talks about our old state, which is death. And then he talks about uh, who we are now. And so he says in Ephesians 2 verse 1, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses. And so when you get born again, you transition from death to life. Amen? Yes. 
And he says in verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the uh, prince of the power of the air, the spirit, uh, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature uh, the children of wrath, just as the others. But God, someone say, but God. Man, God came and changed that state. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love uh, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. Someone say together. He says he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together. Someone say uh, uh, together. It says we were made alive together, number one. Number two, we were raised us up together. Number three, he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oof, that's good. So where am I right now? Seated. No, 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 but, 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 but Pastor T, you're in four ways. How does that work? I'm about to explain that to you. You know, before you got born again, you were uh, a sinner, not because of anything you did, but because of the law of identification. And so when you got born, uh, you identified with Tim Adam. That's why the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, let's go there. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, thank you, Jesus. He's going to bless you. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, verse 21. It says, for since by men, small letter M, death came. Did y'all see that? For since by man came death. By man also came the what? The resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam all did what? Die. Even so in Christ all shall be made what? Alive. So he's talking to us about two identities here. But when you got born, uh, you were a sinner because of what you inherited from Adam. And what Adam did in the garden when he gave up the authority and he sinned before God, you didn't have to do anything. You were just born with the sin nature. You belonged or identified with Tim Adam. And so you were a sinner by association. And so Paul is saying you, the same thing has happened. You were a sinner by association. Now you've been made alive by association. Now let, me, let me explain it a little bit better. Anybody here who's a, a, a rugby, rugby fan? Anybody who's a rugby fan? Anybody who's a rugby fan? Specifically, uh, Bafana Bafana. Uh, no, what is it called? Springbok. Springbok. Not Springbok. Spring, he didn't want he didn't want that anointing. He said, I don't want that Bafana anointing. <laughs> what the minister was about to say? He said, man, these this ones don't win. <laughs> he wanted Springbok. And so, Springbok, right? Uh, 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 how many times have we won the, the World Cup? Three times? Three times? What year? 19? 1995? 2007? And 2019. So three times we've won. Uh, 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 the World Cup, right? Now, I like how all of us say we've won, but none of us, none of us strapped any boots to get on the field. But do you know why you can walk around and say we won? Because you are a citizen of this nation. And if they did it, guess who else did it? 
Let me give you another example. You know, I was, I was in the U.S., and so I, I, I don't like American football, would care less about what happens there. So, but the people were pressuring me to pick a team because every time after church we would go and eat and they're watching American football, who do you support? And I don't support anyone. No, you've got to support someone. And so I went and I did my research. I found out who was a serial winner because I'm not about to, you know, ask who wins. That's what I want to know. And so I picked this team called the New England Patriots. Way back in 2000, they were winning everything. And so they said, okay, that's your team. And uh, so one of the people blessed me with a cap, New England Patriots uh, a cap. And so I would wear that cap every time I'm out and, and about. And, and we were in a, in a, in a hotel in some place and, and in a lift situation. And as I was walking into the lift, there was a family in there uh, that were standing inside. And as the guy saw me walking in, he looked at me. He says, man, you've been, you're just whipping us all this time. I said to him, what are you talking about? He said, the New England Patriots. I said, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, when the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that when Jesus Christ died, you died with him, and he says you were made alive together with him, and he says you were raised together with him, and he says you are now seated in heavenly places, He's just borrowing from the way you relate with the Springboks. You don't, you don't have to be on the field for you to say we've won it three times. Just like you don't have to have been there 2,000 years ago for you to say, devil, we whipped you. By association. In Adam, I died, but thank God I didn't remain dead. Now I'm with Tim Jesus. And because I'm with Tim Jesus, when Jesus kicked the devils behind, guess who else kicked the devils behind? Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I am now seated in heaven. Hey, you may be in four ways. No, you just lack spiritual perception. Man, everything that's credited to Jesus' account was credited to my account the day I joined this team, believed in my heart, and confessed him as Lord and Savior. You see, most of you don't have a problem using the law of identification in your life everywhere else. You only stop when it comes to spiritual things. I've had guys say, hey, we bought this such and such a player for our team, 50 million pounds. And I look at the guy and say, you. <laughs> say, yeah, we bought this one. We're buying this one, 100 million pounds. Yeah, we want to buy him for 100 million pounds. And they're talking with confidence. Man, I wish believers understood that. And they start talking with confidence and say, devil, we whipped you 2,000 years ago. Get off my family. We whipped you 2,000 years ago. Get off my body. Whipped you. Get off my finances. We whipped you 2,000 years ago. You better realize that when Jesus whipped you, I whipped you too. In fact, that's how the devil sees you. When you walk into the lift of life, the devil salutes just because of the cap you're wearing. It says Jesus Christ. The problem is we don't realize what we're wearing. Man, you've put on Christ. It's no longer you that walking around. It's no longer you that lives, but Christ lives within you. So when the devil sees you, he sees Jesus. And when he's about to run away, some of you sell yourselves out. You say, I'm just a nobody. And he says, what did he say? <laughs> he was about to cast himself out. Of people, when you showed up, and then you, you, you sell yourselves out. I'm just a nobody. And he says, ah, they don't know. Ah, they don't know. They don't know. 
And that's why he's coming to your house and bullying you. Man, someone shout, I'm Christ-like. Just as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Someone shout, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I live is no longer by the flesh, but by the Spirit. That's what Easter is all about. It's all about reminding the church of what Jesus did for us at the cross. That's what church is all about. This is why two-thirds of my teachings, if you've listened closely, I'm just talking about what Jesus has done for us at the cross. That's what this thing is about. There's a place to go into the Old Testament and, 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 and you know, look at Mephibosheth and say this is what it means in the Hebrew. There's a place for that, but that's not the majority of the time. The majority is to point people to Christ so that they can realize what Jesus has done for them so that they can walk boldly in it. Identifying with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, Jesus did so much for us that changes so much or should change so much in our lives. And so he says in verse uh, 13, uh, the apostle Paul says this. He says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified uh, of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not raise or rise. And so, man, I'm telling you, when Jesus uh, was raised from the dead, that gave you and I uh, the privilege to also transition from death, our state of death, to life or to what we call uh, being saved. Quickly now, uh, in closing, let's go to Romans chapter number 3, verse 20. We want to look at three uh, quick things uh, that transpired uh, when, 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 when all of this, the summation of all of this is, is in Romans chapter number 3, from 20 to 28. It says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh uh, be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So he's saying in Romans 3.20 that the law was given uh, to show us uh, sin and to show us uh, uh, that we could not do anything about sin. The law was never given for you to keep it. You couldn't keep it. It was that detailed. In fact, the Pharisees thought they could keep it, and then Jesus really revealed to them what the law meant. The law is so deep, if you look at someone hatefully, you've already committed murder. And so to think that you can keep the law is just a deception. You, can't, you couldn't keep the law. And so it was given just to bring about the knowledge of sin so that we realize we can't keep the law and we'll despair and start looking for a savior. And then Jesus all of a sudden became relevant to those who know they couldn't keep the law. He says in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, for all, someone say all. All All have sinned and have all come short of the glory of God. So everybody was declared unfit and we needed help. Verse 24, being justified freely. 
by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation uh, of, of our sin through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be the just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And so he talks about two big words here. Uh, the first one he talks about is propitiation. And really uh, what propitiation is, 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 is a revelation that God is, is the just and the justifier. So let me give you this as an example to explain propitiation. If you, uh, if you were caught in South Africa doing, uh, you know, 90, no, 100 at a 60 zone, if you're ever caught doing anything, you know, above uh, 30 kilometers speed limit, uh, they don't give you a ticket. They want to talk to you at court. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and so... <laughs> Yeah, a friend of mine, a friend of mine told me, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and so they want to talk to you in court. And so if you were caught doing 100 at a 60, they're going to call you in. Say, let's talk to you. What were you doing in this street? And so let's say you walk in, and as you're walking into court, you see someone from church is the judge. <laughs> praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you start to loosen up a little bit. They say, you know, Tafara, were you doing 160? Yeah, yeah, I was. But I know you from church. You're my life group leader. <laughs> and to your surprise, they pick up the hammer, the gavel, and they say, guilty. <laughs> but I, that's what happened in verse 23. I thought you were my father. What's up with this? All have sinned and have fallen short. What's up with this guilty thing? But then he's the just and the justifier. So after he says guilty, what did he do? What does he do? He takes off his judge robe and he walks around and he comes and he puts his hand around uh, your shoulder and he says, don't worry about it. I'm the one who's going to pay for the fine. I'm the one who's going to pay for the time. I'm the one who's going to pay for the penalty. Essentially, that's what God did. He had to be just and so he declared all to be sinners, fallen short of the glory of God, but he turned around and came in flesh as his son, his begotten son, Jesus, and came and, and, and he put his hand around us. In fact, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul explaining this situation, he says, what manner of love is this? That a friend would die for his friend. It moved from being judge to friend. And he says, don't worry, I will pay the penalty. And so that's the, the concept of propitiation. He is the just and the justifier. And what that meant is, after you said, I'll pay for the penalty, you were acquitted and you could walk out of the court scot-free. And the judge, God said, your sins will I remember no more. In other words, when you walk out of that court, you did not have a criminal record on your name. God says, your sin will I remember no more. And he started treating you from that day as if you had not sinned. And that's why it says of this new covenant in Isaiah 54, uh, verse 8, it says, In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness. 
a kindness that has no limits, a kindness that never ends. With everlasting kindness will I have mercy on you, says the Lord thy Redeemer. Man, if there's something you should walk away from uh, with today, it is to this revelation that God treats me uh, with everlasting kindness, with a kindness that knows no limit. See, a lot of people, particularly us Africa, Africans, we, we walk around with a sneaky, uh, superstitious, suspicious uh, suspicion of, of, of God doing things to us. When, 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 when it's, it's because we lack this revelation that in this new covenant, God treats us with everlasting kindness. We walk around with this, with this thing at the back of our head that when something goes wrong, you say, yeah, I know exactly why this goes wrong. I was cursing on Tuesday. And I know God is punishing me. No, did you read that? He says everlasting kindness. He says in verse uh, 9, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for I have sworn uh, that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. God is not angry with you anymore. He won't even rebuke you. Listen, God has not even been in a bad mood. Everlasting kindness. Uh, Verse 10. For the mountains shall depart, the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on you. And so this is what propitiation has produced. And he justified us. And, and, and really, when you, when you have this mindset and you understand these truths, it, it produces a life of boldness. The reason why Christians are not bold is because we don't understand these truths. That we, are, we have now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have been justified and uh, God now treats us with everlasting kindness. And, and because of that, the enemy has been, you know, uh, stopping us from uh, making, you know, uh, uh, faith moves and adventures uh, for God because we are not bold. We, we have this sneaky, superstitious uh, suspicion that God is going to do something to us. That when something doesn't work out, we say, well, it's the Lord stopping me. No, it's not the Lord. The Lord is treating you with everlasting kindness. So scripture tells us in Proverbs 28 verse 1, he says, the wicked flee when no one pursues. That's what I'm talking about. Man, if you don't have this revelation, you always be fleeing from stuff, just running around, just looking over your shoulder. But watch what he says on the flip side. He says, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, you have a righteousness that has been given to you for free. And you should be bold. Because of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Can I get an amen? Amen. And he says in Galatians chapter number 3 verse 13, uh, Christ has redeemed us. Uh, from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, uh, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. And so he's saying, you know, Jesus redeemed us. He brought us back from the law and its consequences. Now we can live free, and this should be what dominates uh, uh, your hearing of the gospel. In fact, this entire weekend, I'm going to close with this. This entire weekend, you know, was aimed at one thing and one thing only. To strip away all that other extra stuff. So that you one, only one thing remains. That's what this weekend is about. 
It is to strip away all of the religious, you know, festivals of old. I know there are certain people that are trying to keep the, 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 the Passover. They're trying to keep the, 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 the ascension. They're trying to keep the Jewish laws. And the Bible tells us, you know, those were old traditions of things to come. But the body is of Christ. All of that, all of those things, Sabbath, you don't have to keep the Sabbath. You don't have to eat cold food anymore on Saturdays. You don't have to. Jesus redeemed you from the law. All of that pointed to one thing and one thing only, and the one thing is Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so this weekend was meant to strip away all the extras. You don't go to God after this weekend. You must realize the path to God is as straight as an arrow. It's you through the way, the truth, and the life. What might be his name be? Between you and God is Jesus the Christ. All of that other stuff that you do, you know, my spiritual father, spiritual... Man, you're just adding too much that he's trying to remove. You don't go via, via. If we say, let's go to four, four ways more, why are you turning right? <laughs> trying to aid someone in there. No, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Why, Pastor T, will you be my spiritual father? No, you, why are you trying to cause me problems? <laughs> Just come and say, you know, help me on this and I'll help you. And so you know what Jesus did? He's, he's stripping away all of the Christian celebrityism. Why? Because the ground at the cross is flat. And all of this stuff, in fact, uh, Andrew Omak was teaching us at the minister's conference. And he was saying, man, whenever you see someone come and they try to uh, worship you, he was uh, sharing about a story of this man. He was preaching, I think, in Arizona. And this man saw him and, and he walked in and he grabbed his hand to say hi. And this man went to his knees and said, oh, I can't believe it's you. He was about to pass out. And Andrew was like, man, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> And then Romac was like, it's embarrassing. It's the most embarrassing thing. He says you can only be that person when you don't know what Jesus did for you at the cross. You have to be in lack. You have to be in malnutrition of revelation for you to act the fool like that. Now, I'm not saying you disrespect people. I'm not saying you don't honor your elders. I honor my elders. I honor my parents. I, if you see me around old people, I honor them. I respect people, but I don't, you know, Amen. Amen. Jesus took everything off so that only one thing could remain. This relationship is not complicated. It goes through Jesus, the Christ. People who don't know this, they are all around chasing, running around like a headless chicken. Have you ever seen in the rural areas when you cut a chicken? They cut the head off the chicken. You know, people think it's animal cruelty. Where, where do you think the chicken in Pig and Pay, how do you think it died? The chicken in Pig and Pay, you think? When you cut the head off a chicken, it's still alive. If you let it go, it's going to run around aimlessly. 
And the reason why believers running around like, like headless chickens after this man of God, after the, people come to me, oh, have you heard of this such a man of God? I, I got tired the one time they were bringing all these names. I didn't know any. I got tired. I said, have you heard of Jesus the Christ? Have you heard of this man? What? Do you know this one? Do you know? I, I would care less. Leave me alone. Amen. And so we sing a song here. It says, one thing remains. And that one thing is Jesus the Christ. Man, whenever you see yourself trying to add all that other extra stuff, you are complicating the uncomplicated. You are sophisticating the unsophisticated. It's you, Jesus Christ, and God. God wants to talk to you direct. And he's made that possible. And in Hebrews 4.16, he says, come boldly into the throne room of grace so you can obtain what? Help in times of need. Whenever you need help, Go to God. Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet? Hallelujah. Someone shout, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from the curse and what it produced. I'm redeemed from sin. Therefore, I can live righteously and boldly for God in this world. Amen. Amen. Now the Apostle Paul had to clarify some things. People, you know, started walking around saying, well, should we sin some more so that grace may abound? What did he say? God forbid. You know, just because there is grace doesn't mean you, you start running around acting the fool. Because you're going to get consequences. But they won't come from God. God will t- treat you with kindness, but those around you will treat you uh, based on a, a standard. Amen. So if you, if you act the fool and you don't treat your spouse right, they're going to leave you. Though God will still love you. And you go to heaven, but you go to heaven single. Amen. I said amen. If you don't honor your boss at work, God will still love you. His everlasting kindness will still flow towards you, but you will be without a job. So you got to have wisdom. Amen. Amen. If, you don't, if you don't act right, in fact, grace people should have a higher standard of living than low people. And I've learned that my kids don't care about my doctrine. They watch me. Do you treat mommy with kindness? Do you treat us with kindness? My kids, they watch me. They say, you. We are watching you. And, we'll say, and you know what? They will exactly become like me. You've got to be honorable. If you have a daughter, would you, would you love for them to marry someone like you? You should be a standard for them picking a, a spouse. And, and be a good standard. You must go out into the world and say, if, if, it, if, if you're not like my dad, if you don't treat me like my, my dad treated mom, then I don't want to marry you. Or, you know, the way my dad treated me, yeah, I'm going to have to, you know, find another example. That's a pitiful way to live life. That's a sorry way to live life. You are the example in front of your family. And so there's a place to teach the law. I think it was Andrew Omas. He, he met uh, uh, this uh, chief priest, high priest of Satan in an airplane, and it was a two-seater, 
And, and this high priest looked at him and he said, you know, I'm, I'm Beruzabel, I'm the, the high priest of, of Satan. And Andrew said, you, you sorry thing. He started using the law on him. He said, you sorry thing. You think you can go before God Almighty? God will smite you. You'll be a, but a vapor in no time. You sorry thing. And he gave it to him. He gave him the law. Before he's finished with him, he was shaking, saying, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of God Almighty. He said, yeah, now I'll teach grace. And whenever someone thinks they're the top dog, give them the law. Say, you, you think you can walk into the presence of God according to your own? You, God will smite you. And then they'll say, ah, yeah, so sure. Then you say, yeah, now you're ready for, for, for grace. Amen? And I'm telling you, we ought to go out into the world and show them what it looks like to be grace lifers, to be people that live by grace fueled by grace from the inside. It doesn't mean we live any kind of way. Amen? I said amen. amen. Everything has been stripped away. Everything. The Apostle Paul says, man, I can do everything. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I've been set free to do what I want. But not everything is beneficial. Amen? And so as we live, you know, today, man, I want to encourage you. Maximize on that relationship that you have with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Don't add to it. Jesus plus extra equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Don't add to Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, you start functioning that way, things around you will grow. People around you will grow. You will not know what to do with miracles and just growth and promotion. We don't. That's the place we are at as a church. We, we strip away all the other extra stuff. We, we, we strip, strip, uh, strip away all the other extra stuff. We, we, we don't even dress up to come to church. I'm sure you've noticed. We just come. And, and it took me a while to get cute to, to ditch the, the blazer. He was like, Pastor, I'm going to church. I've got to wear the blazer. <laughs> Man, strip away all the other extra. Man, people have become proficient in doing church and we are lacking in doing relationship with Jesus. Now, there are many people I meet, they can do church, but they struggle to do relationship. They know how to am a bearer and do all that. They are doing too much. But they don't know how to do relationship. Jesus is calling his church to relationship and not to all, to all the other extra stuff. Can I get an amen? amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for these truths. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us at the cross. Father, we just thank you that these truths are deposited in our hearts and they are growing. That you have redeemed us from the curse. You have redeemed us from sickness. You have redeemed us from poverty. These truths are growing in our hearts and we are grateful. Lord, we just thank you, Father. We thank you for Jesus and what he did for us at the cross. He paid the penalty that we could not pay. And for that, we are so grateful. We say thank you, Siavonga. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took our place so that we could be set free. Thank you that you died in our place so that we could live. Thank you, Jesus. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.